old radio listening society a podcast dedicated to suspense crime and horror stories from the golden age of radio i'm eric i'm tim and i'm joshua we love mysterious old-time radio stories but do they stand the test of time that's what we're here to find out this week i've chosen an episode of the weird circle for us entitled the doll the weird circle adapted famous creepy stories from the world of literature including the works of edgar Allan poe Samuel Johnson, Charles Dickens, Robert Louis Stevenson, Charlotte Bronte, and in this case, Fitz James O'Brien. O'Brien was perhaps best known for his works The Diamond Lens and What Was It? A Mystery. The Doll was first published as The Wondersmith in the 1859 issue of the Atlantic Monthly. 78 episodes of The Weird Circle were recorded in the RCA studios in New York between 1943 and 1945. The series is largely remembered for its distinctive introduction, in which the announcer calls for the bellkeeper to toll the bell to indicate that the listeners had once again joined them in the circle. First broadcast on Christmas Eve of 1944, and keeping children nervous about their toys, this is The Doll. It's late at night. And a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker, listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Out of the past. Phantoms of a world gone by speak again their immortal tale, the doll. Quiet, quiet. I'll have the bailiff clear the court if this continues. Quiet. Now then, did the court understand the defense correctly? The defendant wishes to make a statement. Yes, Your Honor. I wish to make it regarding the death of the fortune teller, Madame Philomel of Golash Street. My name, as I have said, Your Honor, is Frederick Hippie. I am an inventor, and have fashioned many strange things. In Golash Street I was, and still am, called the Wondersmith. And what I wish to say now... It is not merely a change in testimony. No, Your Honor, it is more than that. It is a confession. I am only a man who hated his stepdaughter with a burning passion. Hated her who through all her life crossed me, whose willfulness made of my days a running sore, whose very youth and strength angered my aging eyes. Yes, hated her. And to make her life suffer was my one consuming ambition. Now she is out of my reach. The young man, Solon, her foolish and scrawny lover, is innocent of anything in the death of the fortune teller, Philomel. I am the guilty one. I. 
The events began when I first saw them together. Sulan and my stepdaughter, Zonila. Sulan had a bookstore, a hovel of a place across the street. On this afternoon, he was reading to my stepdaughter, Zonila, and the pleasure on her face angered me. I could hear Solan's voice from where I was, standing in front of my shop with Philomel, the fortune teller. Let me not to the marriage of two minds admit impediments. <laughs> Wondersmith, your little bud's drowning in the sun. Sonila! Sonila! Yes? Come here. Look how he shuts his book with a bang. You've a great voice for frightening, Wondersmith. Yes? Have you sat there in the sun long enough, cooing to each other like sick doves? We're not. Get in the house. Upstairs to your room and stay there. Your lover will bake alone in the sun. Get in. Wondersmith, the joy's gone out of her face. She'll laugh only when I laugh. Get in the house, Zunila. You're a fine stepfather, Wondersmith. Your daughter's lucky. <laughs> Stop it. We've business, Philomel. So we have. We made a bargain, Philomel. I have done my part of it. Have you done yours? Yes, hippie. My magic has trapped a soul for the doll. It's in a bottle. You say your part is done? Yes. The paint is drying on the doll now. We will meet tonight at eight in my shop. Do our honored colleagues know? Kaplom the honest jeweler and Oak Smith the cutthroat? <laughs> I've told them. <laughs> and we will test the doll tonight. Yes. It will be a rare sight, Wondersmith, to see a wooden mannequin come alive full of murder and wrath. If the soul you've bottled is full of murder and wrath... Do not worry, neighbor. My pick of murderous souls is vast and deep. Yellow birds, jailbirds, a whole nation of outlaws are on the waiting list. And we'll be rich. And with the riches, we'll have power. Aye, Wondersmith, we'll be rich, albeit somewhat bloody. Tonight, then, Philomel. Tonight. Philomel, answer it. It's after eight o'clock. It must be there. Coming, coming. Patience, you dogs. I'm an old woman, not a young bird. So, you're here at last. Yeah. Come in, Kaplom. You too, Brother Oaksmith. Is everything ready? Where's Hippie? Uh, sit, sit, friends. We will begin in a few minutes. Here's wine. Drink. I will be back in a moment. Uh, I brought some stones, Philomel. Rubies. Uh, we'll test the doll with them. Uh, here. Good. And you, Oaksmith? The key to the bird store. Splendid. You're a fine purse snatcher, boy. Uh, is that the doll? Yes. Look. <gasps> oh, a masterpiece. Beautiful, Wondersmith. Beautiful. A magnificent little man with the face of a devil. The sword in his hand is as sharp as a razor. I have never fashioned anything as fine as this. No. And we will bring him alive with one of Philomel's souls and send him out into the world for victims. That we choose. Yes, <laughs> that we choose. He will bring us back the rarest jewels. And he'll fight the very devil himself to do it. An epic thief the size of a cat. Uh, let us test him now. Have you the soul, Philomel? In this bottle. The soul of a scoundrel hung at dawn from a public gallows. You seem uneasy, Philomel. This is a restless and angry soul. He stirs in the bottle. Let it loose upon the doll. Soon. Soon. Uh, silence. Huh? What is it, Hebe? 
I heard something. In this hall, the step going by. Your daughter, perhaps. Uh, she wouldn't dare. Oh, come, you're imagining things. There's no one here. I'm not so sure. Uh, we're only wasting time. The door. It sounded like a step. Oh, shut the door. You're nervous. All right. But I was sure that... Loose the soul, Philomel. Then put the rubies away and stand behind me. The soul will leap to the first figure it sees. And, well, I am a bit uneasy about the one I've captured. Be careful. Now then, I cover the doll and push the bottle under the covering. Loose the stopper and, unerring, sure, with devilish art, possess this body, seize this heart, muscle and nerve and brittle bone... Make them all your very own. Oh, it's it's moving under the covering. Pull off the wrapping. Pull it off. I'll do it. See? Oh, by the seven gods. It's, it's alive. Yes. Alive. Like you and I. See how it glares at us, turning its doll's head from side to side. Oh. Look. It bears its teeth at me. The hate in its eyes when it glares at you, Philomel. Beware its sword, Philomel. Hippie. It is not a friendly doll. That's the soul you gave it, Philomel. It does not like me. Perhaps it wants the taste of blood. And I've the most of it here. The key to the bird store, Philomel. I gave it to you. So you did. Well, my bitter little foe, you shall have your taste of blood. Oh, you'd better call back that soul, Philomel, until we get to the bird shop. I think I'd better, too. Come, my friend. It's home for you. Better call back the soul. Relax the muscle. Release the bone. Give up this palace. Leave this home. A light. It's black as pitch here. Hey, wait. I have a candle. Oh. Hold the doll, Oaksmith, while I strike a match. I have the doll, Wondersmith. Just a minute. Murder! What's that? Strike a match, Wondersmith. Strike it. There. Oh, it's a parrot. Oh. <laughs> There's a watchdog of a bird for you. Quick, <laughs> somebody might have heard. Give the doll his soul again, Philomel. Let's be done with this test. Help! Silence! Master! Silence, you feathered Help. fool. To work. Cover the doll. The bottle now and... Oh, unerring, sure, with devilish art. Possess this body. Seize this heart. Nerve and muscle and brittle bone... Make them all your very own. Save the housemaster. Quick, help. Put the help. rubies in the parrot cage. And it's alive. At first, Your Honor, the tiny doll glared murderously at Philomel, the fortune teller. Even in the candlelight, I could see her grow pale. But the instant the doll saw the jewels, greed crept into its eyes. And nimbly, its tiny sword glittering in the candlelight, it ran across the tabletop jumped to a shelf, and then, as graceful as a cat, leaped across to the parrot's cage. For a moment he hung there, the cage swinging back and forth, silently, back and forth. The parrot shouted at him, but the doll showed no signs of fear. He stared coldly, and with a thin, amused smile at the bird behind the bars. What happened then, Your Honor, happened in a twinkling. The doll flung the cage door back, and in he leaped, his sword flashing with a rapier speed. The parrot's wings frantically beat the air, and it screamed. Blood 
appeared upon the bird's breast. The doll, like an Italian fencing master, danced about the frenzied bird, plunging his sword into it time and time again. All of us stood there, staring, open-mouthed, at the struggle in the cage, unaware that it was only the parrot screaming. It seemed to each of us that we could hear the din of some titanic battle, that we could see the dust of some distant armies locked in war. And then it was over in a flash. The bird screamed. It shuddered and spasms racked its body. And then it fell to the floor of the cage. For a moment, the doll stood there, wild-eyed and panting. And then it bent, scooped up the rubies and swung out of the cage. When it reached us, it dropped the jewels on the tabletop and watched Philomel. Magnificent! Magnificent! Did you see him? Lord! My doll's a success! A success! Philomel! Watch out! Hippie! Hippie! I've got him! Throw the soul out quick! Did you see? He lunged at her. The doll lunged at Philomel. Throw out the soul. Throw out the soul. Relax the muscles. Release the bones. Give up this palace. Leave this home. The uh, doll lunged at Philomel the fortune uh, teller? Yes, Your Honor. The doll had lunged at Philomel the fortune teller. There was no question about it. The doll or the soul that was in it considered Philomel as his foe. At that time, Your Honor, the sword in the doll's hand was not poisoned. Ah, but later on, yes, later on... you may go on, Mr. Hibbery. Continue with your confession regarding the murder of the fortune teller, Philomel. When we were done there in the bird shop, and we'd drawn the soul out of the doll in time to save Philomel, we separated. I took my doll, now stiff and wooden, back to my shop, placed it on a shelf, and began walking upstairs to bed. I didn't hear the voices until after I'd reached the first landing. He left you here like this in the dark? He always leaves me like this, Solan. I sit for hours in darkness. I cannot open the window. He nailed it shut. I watched from the street many times, hoping you'd come to it. I couldn't. I know why now. What shall I do, Solan? My life here is a misery. He beats me, treats me like a slave and hates me. Come away with me, Zonila. With you? Yes. Listen to me, Zonila. All that has been said between us are the words in books I've read to you. They were meant for others, those words. But when I said them, I knew. I felt that they were mine. What are books to me, Zanila, but sources to find my thoughts of you in words? Sola. Don't look at me with such wonder and surprise in your eyes, Zanila. Is it a wonder that I should love you? Is it an incredible event that your name should ring like a joyous bell in my brain? For months I have watched your window, hoping to see you appear in it. For months, torturous days, I have loved you, Zanila. Loved you. And spoke to you the words of others because I was afraid. You love me, Solan? Me? A poor wretch? No poor wretch to me, Zanila. But the reality of my dream, the personification of my hopes. Me? Me? 
My love's as wide as the ocean's wide, Zanila, and as deep. And as strong and firm as the iron mountains. Zorlan? Yes? It's so hard to say. So hard. Say it, Zanila. Say it. Dear Zorlan. You cry. Because a miracle has happened. A miracle. Zanila. I've loved you from the first time I heard your voice. And I thought you were only kind, showing pity. And I needed even that. I never thought you'd love me in my misery. Zonila, come away with me. Something is happening here in this house. It's evil. I felt it. You must come away with me. Wherever you want to go, Solon. Will you come now? Yes. Father. And where will you take her? Mr. Hippie. In what volume is this chapter, Bookworm? Is the escape all planned out for you by some other writer? I don't need their help. Yet you use them to steal her affection from me. Affection? What affection? From her father's loving bosom, you would steal her. His light of life. Leave us alone. I'm the brute, eh? The beast who treads on delicate feelings, is that it? We're leaving her together. Without my blessing? Without your curse. Come, Zanila. Stop. Leave the girl alone, Cockerell, or I shall smash you even more than I plan. Do you think, fool, that I shall let her go? After all these years of crossing me, taunting me... Do you think I shan't have my vengeance? Zola, Zola. Cry to your miserable lover. Get out of the doorway. I have plans for you, Zonila. You shall play nursemaid and mother to a doll I fashioned. A more murderous child you'll never have. It's a gift I've carved for you to amuse you when you're lonely or to haunt your dreams. And I've a name for that doll. A fine name. One which will dry your tears when the real owner of it is no more. Shall be called Solan. Get away from the door. The comedy is over now, Bookworm. Solan, he's coming towards you. That's an alert girl you never wed, Bookworm. Come here. Don't, Solan, don't. Ah. <laughs> no, Cockerel, we'll test you. Solan! 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 <laughs> Quiet. You may proceed. I had to strike the girl to quiet her, Your Honor. And when she was still, I bound up Solon, slung him across my shoulder like a sack of meal, and carried him downstairs to the shop. A plan was already formed in my mind, but it needed the help of the fortune teller, Philomel. I made sure the shop was locked, and leaving Solon there, lying on the floor, I went out. The hour was 9.30. It took me only a few minutes to reach the fortune teller's door. Open. It's I, Hippy the Wondersmith. Coming. I'm an old woman. You knock like the very devil's behind you. Come in. Uh, what brings you here now? The dull soul. I need it. Ah, uh, and why? I have a task for him. Another test, and it must be done tonight. What test, Wondersmith? A human one. So long, the bookworm. <laughs> Will you bring the soul? No. What? Why? Why not? I am not anxious to be carved like roast pork wondersmith by the little devil. He hates me. We were badly let it seem. But I need the soul now. No. I'll give you half my share of what the doll brings us later. And if I've long been buried by then? Philomel. No. Hippie, I must trap another soul. I won't wait. I won't. Someone must die now. Hippie! But I wasn't leaving as early as that, Your Honor. Outside the fortune teller's door, I waited. And when I heard her creak out of the room, I stole in. I knew where she kept the bottle soul. I found it, slipped it in the pocket, and stole out down to my workshop again. Solon was awake now. 
And as I came in, he watched me. I was pleased that he would be aware of what was going to occur. Who is it? Who's there? Awake, bookworm. Good. You shall be my audience. Look. Do you see this bottle? Answer. I listen. Let me go, hippie. Soon, soon. You shan't be in this world much longer. This bottle. Let Zonila go then, if not me. It's Zonila I want. It's you I've no use for, bookworm. Look. There's a soul trapped in this bottle. The fit's a tight one. Listen how he stirs. Hippie. What? What do you want? I'll give you anything. The riches of books. The wealth of fool's wisdom. Have you any gold? No, but... Then we will go on. I have a dull bookworm. Let me show you why I am called the Wondersmith. Look. Isn't he a very devil of a fellow? Oh. And the sword. It's sharp. Small. But life, they say, hangs only by a thin thread. Yet to make sure, bookworm... I shall poison the sword. You're mad, hippie. Mad or not, I shall kill you. There. The sword's primed. Now watch me. Oh. I, too, can create life. I shall cover the doll. Now, if you please, I shall place this diamond ring upon your chest. My doll needs an incentive. No. No, don't move. Have you pity? Pity is a disease of fools. I've done without it. But no man... Stop. Take your ethics to the grave with you. Now... The moment's ready. Watch sharply. I put the bottle beneath the wrapping. Loose oh. the stopper and... Unerring, sure, with devilish art. Possess this body. Seize this heart. Nerve and muscle and brittle bone. Make them all your very own. Ah, look. It moves. Off with the covering. Off. See how he glares. There's your victim there. Epium. Once. Philomel. Philomel, the doll, the doll, Philomel. I can still see it all clearly, Your Honor. The shop, Solon, on the floor, and the look on the doll's face when he caught sight of Philomel. That was the time I first noticed the gold brooch on the front of Philomel's dress. The doll raced across the floor with his sword held high. Philomel's face fell and then grew rigid with terror. She tried to back away, but the doll kept lunging and striking, lunging and striking. And I could see the tiny sword sink in each time. Philomel gasped and shrieked with pain each time the sword struck. Suddenly, the fortune teller tottered and her great body crashed to the floor. There was a sharp splintering of wood. I saw a tiny sword go skittering across the floor. And then I knew the doll. The doll I had fashioned, Your Honor, had been crushed. And the soul in it freed. I tried to raise Philomel. She was still alive. Oh, I'm sick, Wanda Smith. Sick. The sword. You poisoned it, didn't you? Yes, Philomel. Can you do anything? No. You fool. Fool, I warned you. The doll would have turned on you. Where is he? Crushed. You crushed him. <laughs> So I gave him his freedom after all. He was an angry soul, stubborn for his freedom. The bookworm? Alive, but not for long. Let him alone, Wondersmith. Never. You're purchasing a bitter afterlife. As bad as mine will be. Oh, the pain. 
the pain. No riches and no power for us, Wondersmith. We'll go to the grave, penniless like all the others. Light. Light, it's getting dark. Philomel. I say, let there be light. <laughs> for I am forewarned of the region I shall awake in. Wondersmith? Yes. You are my executor. You will find neither gold nor jewels, but a crystal which you must destroy. Where are you? Here, Philomel. You will find it in... Oh! oh. A light. Strike a light, someone. Wondersmith. Wondersmith. I must have a light. Philomel. Philomel. Huh? You're leaving so soon, Wondersmith. Well, then, good night, neighbor. Good night. It was a fine evening. Good night. Good night. Good night. And she was dead, Your Honor. And for a little while, I sat there in the silence, holding her head in my arms. I think... And believe me, Your Honor, it is important that you do. I think I love the fortune teller. In a little while, I got up. The young man was staring at the door. In it, pale, drawn, filled with terror, stood Zonila, a pistol shaking in her hand. I could have taken it from her without danger, Your Honor. But what was the use? Philomel was dead. And I knew it was the end. How can I explain it? The rest, you know. How Solon and Zunila brought me to the police. How I was brought to trial. I am here because I am guilty. I beg no mercy from the court. Only, your honor, make it soon. Soon. brought you the story, The Doll. Bellkeeper, toll the bell. That was The Doll from the Weird Circle here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. That was Tim's pick. Explain yourself. <laughs> um, the start of this journey was that I uh, I felt like I'd been living in a lot more contemporary kind of podcast for the things I was listening to. I wanted to harken back to some of the, something a little older, uh, Witch's Tale, Hermit's Cave, or in this case, Weird Circle. Uh, Weird Circle, uh, intrigued by, I don't know that we've ever really heard a Weird Circle episode about, wow, that is a great episode of radio. They range from a little wincy too. Oh, pretty good. And they're adaptations that never credit the source material. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But the the concept was very much to we're going to keep these older stories alive, uh which is 
rings a little familiar to me of like, hey, there's these old stories that are really good and people don't know about them. Well, some people who are smarter than me do, but broadly people don't know about them. And uh, this one jumped out at me in particular just because when I was browsing, it was suddenly so fun to have these characters who are the fortune teller, the wondersmith, the cut purse. It's this weird fantastical world right off the bat hmm. uh, that I was like, this is super fun. Wondersmith is when Super Friends went and jumped the shark. When they added Wondersmith to the yes. cartoon that was Super Morrissey's, Friends. Morrissey's uh, yeah. secret identity. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's a weird thing. Is it a circle? Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird thing in a circle. How are you going to weirdly square this weird circle? <laughs> There's a thing that happens and contemporary in the past all the time where if you're a director or a writer or performers will take a story that takes place in the old country or a hundred years ago and they have this way of portraying people and humans as i can't think of the right word to describe it formal and blank kind of it's unemotional it's very understated It's right. It's it's just weird. As and if like, people didn't feel anything. Right, <laughs> right. And angry. Yeah. Really angry. Stern, stern yes. and angry all the time. And like, that's your concept of how the world was back then. And it's not just I this. I just assume it's like, well, there's three of you. One of you is going to die in the next week. So. Well, <laughs> maybe they were that angry and Nobody stern. get attached. Right. Nobody get attached to anything and look out for yourself. But. I could find a number of examples of this style of recreating history. Every as weird circle, for and every example. weird circle, for example. <laughs> but and, and it's really weird. And I know it's weird circle. <laughs> and then you look at something like Gunsmoke, which humanizes something from a hundred years ago. You know mm. what I mean? Like, and it doesn't assume that everybody walked around in this weird tropey. It's hard to listen to. <laughs> I think it depends on the story. Uh, I mean, this is, I think this borders on, like, folktale. Yeah. More than... But and even folktales, why you know, did they think people back then didn't act like people? One of my qualms with the story is the decision to use the court scene as a framing device. It immediately grounds you in too much reality. Mm-hmm. It, it makes some of the stylized and fantastic elements seem sillier than they need to feel if we were brought if we were in a into fairy the tale. story at that point because i right. think it should be told as a like a grimm's fairy tale it was interesting to me that in and i i still don't have a grasp on it of well i guess i sort of do so this guy is on trial for a murder that he is suddenly now confessing to but he claimed to be confessing to it so that this bookworm solon didn't get accused of it but he didn't seem to be, like, nobody said that Sulon was being accused of it. Mm-hmm. And I sort of get it. I was tracking the uh, the fortune teller's death of, oh, as I try to right my wrongs as I'm dying, I'm not going to a dark place, I'm seeing a light. I think that's, if I was tracking that correct. Yeah, um, she has a, an extremely long <laughs> death scene, yes. But I think you're right, that's the connection, is that he learned from her. Yes, that, that I can clear my yeah. conscience. It's a deathbed confession, essentially. Yes. But in that, he describes his daughter as 
this constant pain in my side, this horrible creature, that there's nothing until you actually meet her to contradict that that's what you should expect is Mm -hmm. this horrible person, Um, which seemed out of step with the rest of the story to me in a way that I found interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it's basically uh, she's just willful and she... (laughs) She doesn't like being locked into her (laughs) room. I have to raise her and... Pay for her. Like, it just seems like he's mad about being a stepfather. I also there seems to be the slight hint of yeah of so long as I never let her have any contact, then eventually when she gets old enough, I'll marry her. <laughs> I didn't think about that, but yeah. <laughs> Here's what I take most umbrage with. It's 1944. It's Christmas Eve. <laughs> You're hoping that war's coming to an end, and so and so comes home okay, and. Oh, screw you, weird circle. <laughs> this is what you're giving me on Christmas Eve? The doll that comes to life? Thanks. Oh, uh, I, as a kid, I wanted dolls that came to life. Even if they had poison oh, swords or stealing jewels, that'd be awesome. That's this is the best terrible part Christmas of gift. this story, I think, is... <laughs> that they aired it on Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to put a pin in it. I want to finish our discussion of the radio show, but I did read the story, and I'm just going to tell you this much. This is like an episode of Father Knows Best. Oh, really? <laughs> compared to the actual story. But I really love the scene with the doll murdering the parrot. <laughs> <laughs> because it moves. This is your job, Joshua. From, <laughs> from moment to moment, it's hilarious but then it's also really disturbing and then it's hilarious again and you just never know exactly where you're going to land i think part of it is one great sound effect is the clicking sound for the wooden doll it's great and for some reason that click is just really distressing and they make the smart choice with the parrot because the the parrot could be more hilarious than it is. <laughs> what it says is something appropriate to the scenario, right? It says, yes. you know. I also just love that this guy has trained his parrot to scream for help. Yeah. <laughs> murderer, murderer. Uh, you know, because if it were being stabbed to death by a doll and just being like, Paulie wants a cracker. <laughs> cracker, cracker. Was, was it Paul Freeze? Uh, no, I, I know. I don't probably know. Probably not. Paul Freeze. Paul Freeze is above these parrots. <laughs> <laughs> that, I thought, worked well, ultimately, I don't know if it worked the way they wanted it to work, but that is this. We've talked about that very thin line between comedy and horror sometimes, yes. and that this is one where they were drunkenly weaving back and <laughs> forth across that line. Uh, the description of the tiny sword being plunged over and over again yeah. into Philomel, the fortune teller, that's pretty grotesque. It's a strange moment. I can't decide if I like it or don't, where before... Philomel dies, she starts to say there's some mysterious crystal that he must destroy. Yeah. And then some other soul she's got trapped. Yeah, that seems to be the implication, but it's unclear and she doesn't really finish her sentence. And I don't know if it was sloppy writing or well, I liked it because it seemed enigmatic. She ends with well, just say, hello, neighbor. What a great night. Or Yeah, again, that's, that's a little out of character with the rest of the story, but it's really well, striking. Yeah. I mean, what didn't work for me is the sudden professing of love on the part of yes uh, that was Hippie. so was weird like, right? and i need you to know i loved her yeah there was no reason for it yeah none it doesn't he explain doesn't... anything it's nothing he... to do with the narrative at all unless he was trying to gain the judge's sympathy but then a couple lines later he says i expect no leniency <laughs> from you your honor so it's a strange yeah. bit of writing there 
and Zolina had a gun the entire time. That, that was what I thought. <laughs> Why didn't you just pop this sucker ages right? ago? <laughs> right? Wondersmith's daughter. <laughs> Wondersmith's daughter. Uh, There's a show. Yeah. I did come up with another t-shirt I think we need oh. to have made out of this. Just It just amused me, and it might just be me. It's uh, when... Uh, he, the Wondersmith uh, knocks on Philomel's door and says, It is I, Hippie the Wondersmith. <laughs> like, that would make a great t-shirt. No contact. <laughs> so tell us about the book. Oh, you guys. The story is so much darker <laughs> and weirder and on such an epic scale. And... Just horrifically xenophobic. I mean, I can't tell you how in like the first couple pages, and then it lets it go, but the first couple pages are just the Jews, the Germans, Italians. Um, and then, though, the motivation for it is that all the bad guys are gypsies. And I know that's an insulting term, but I'm using it in the context of the story because they were angry from being outsiders. It takes place in this poor immigrant neighborhood in New York and that's why we've got this setting with all these um, wild shops and things like that it's mm. a sort of bohemian section of the um, poor part of the city and their whole motivation is they just hate Christians is what they call them in here and I think what the story means by that is that the oh, middle class to upper class yeah. or, and, and just Americans who are successful mm. and who leave these uh, immigrants to live in squalor here. And so the entire plot is they don't design one doll. They design an army of dolls to disperse on Christmas Eve to kill all the children. Wow. <laughs> wow. All of them. And uh, Philomel is not just a fortune teller. She is Hitler, a midwife. <laughs> oh, and the implication being that these souls, because she's got a lot of oh, them, no. are the result of miscarriages, abortions. These are the demented souls of infants that she's putting that in want these to dolls. Stab and poison her over and over again. Yeah, and then they also have this weird sidebar where one of the um, criminals they bring in to the plot with them has a shop that sells glass eyes. But he also has these magical powers, so he has a large glass eye that he can set in secret places and has the second sight through this eye and can see what's going on. And so he puts it out in the hallway to make sure that uh, the daughter doesn't sneak up on him when they're having evil conversations. And that's an, I bring it up because it's important later. But um, <laughs> there's still the love plot between the bookseller and the daughter. Of course, the bookseller, though, is a deformed hunchback because... Of course he is. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, his hatred of her is explained because she's a daughter of a Hungarian nobleman who he kidnapped because this nobleman introduced brandy to the hippie's actual biological son and he died of drink. And so he tortures Good her as some form of vengeance. Oh, <laughs> and she's also by day forced to go on the street with her organ and monkey and she's an organ <laughs> wow so there's also a little monkey in this <laughs> can you imagine sitting in the writing room and it's like we gotta cut some stuff uh, it was like don't touch the so, monkey and the organ <laughs> so the bird murdering scene is from this story but they released like an army into a a bird shop and it's this graphic description of these tiny dolls coming in and just murdering uh 
every kind of bird imaginable. It's like a page worth of bird murder. <laughs> the, <laughs> the fact story. that in, in the in the past there was such a thing as a bird shop. Yeah. Not a pet store, a bird shop. And then the whole thing ends in this very Tarantino-esque craziness where the monkey <laughs> frees the hunchback <laughs> and they're sneaking out, but they step on the eye, <laughs> which uh, alerts the um, villains to their presence, who are drunk, by the way, because it's Christmas Eve and they're just drunk on their own victory. They're drinking a bunch of port, which they imagine is the blood of children. But... The scream when they step on the eye startles Philomel, who drops the bottle of souls. The souls get out, go into the dolls, and the dolls swarm all of them and stab them over and over and over again with their poison swords, which causes their bodies to swell and bloat, and they're screaming, and they fling the dolls into the fire, and the whole house bursts into flames. (laughs) Wow. And they all die in a conflagration of... Dolls and poison and yeah, I can't believe what a thin little gruel of that story we got. <laughs> Can we vote on Joshua's retelling? <laughs> Classic. That was much more interesting and more fun than that. Uh, but I get the idea of scaling that back. I obviously well, yeah, trying to uh, give a different motivation than just this sort of <laughs> racial hatred. That's good. Um, Can you imagine if they kept the part about releasing these to kill all the children on Christmas Eve and then aired this on Christmas Eve? <laughs> I so want to adapt this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it is a wonderful heartwarming Chris it all goes wrong in the end they get sure. their just they get their yeah come up and the toys they, they, they win Tim there's got to be more I don't mean to take all of this time away from you uh, and and the story no you and it's I know that weird circle broadly this is about the level they do yeah they were an early show uh the main focus was on sort of keeping these old stories alive not so much of being this great uh technical accomplishment in audio theater. Um, and this one just jumped out at me because there were so many odd little things in there that surprised me, which is always, I enjoy a surprise. I mean, the, like a scene that really made me think, oh, I got to bring this one, is when all four of these criminals are getting together and just like, I brought a soul, I brought a doll, I brought some jewels. That it's this weird supervillain team mm-hmm. that has gotten together to... Wonder Dog. Yeah. <laughs> To, and, and but the, and then to commit weird crimes. Let's go kill a bird. Let's. Yep. <laughs> it is a weird circle of story. But to your point, I do think Weird Circle is a bit like Hall of Fantasy in that it was a throwback in 1944. They were doing yeah. an old-fashioned style then that was about ten years out of date. Right? Yes, I think that that sounds right. It feels more like the witch's tale. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then, like, what was being heard on suspense in 1944. Yep. This reminds me of A Witch's Tale, Weird Circle, Hermit's Cave. All of it seems very similar. Yeah, so all of the flaws that are being pointed out, like, yep. Yep. Um, (laughs) There's that moment where they say the doll wants to go after Philomel because she's so full of blood. She has the most blood of all of us. And then I was like, what does that mean? But then later... Um, she falls at him and crushes him to death. So I, I wonder if that was like a polite way of saying she was just huge or like right. 
bloated like a tick? <laughs> <laughs> bloated like a tick. Well, they had to burn her out of a guy's scalp yeah. with a cigarette. Yeah, you don't just want to pull her off because no. the head will come. Yeah. yeah. My dad, this is the 70s, burned ticks out of my scalp once with his cigarette. <laughs> True story. You sure there was ticks? Uh, it works for moles. You know, yeah. any, any He's weird like, Come discoloration. Here. Grabbed my head, took a... <laughs> Took a drag, got it nice and cold, hot, and went and burned a couple ticks out that were in my head when we were camping. Yeah, I will say beats Lyme disease, but yeah. (laughs) All right, can we vote? Sure, we can vote. Uh, Yeah, I don't like anything in (laughs) there. I get what you're saying. Uh, For me, it was work, and uh, mainly because it's just the acting is just so over the top weird that that style of formality of human interaction it's and i get it it's a fairy tale just not aimed at me and um it was weird <laughs> which may be their point considering it's called weird circle no doesn't stand the test of time but i will say uh thank you <laughs> for bringing it i largely agree with eric but i think i approach weird circle in a different way because i i know with weird circle it's always going to be a bit of a curate's egg it's not going to be knock it out of the park amazing they do the one thing that they do they do literary adaptations and at least three or four of their choices are going to be weird to bad <laughs> but as someone who Adapts old stories. I think you mentioned this too, Tim. It's really fascinating from that point of view. It definitely does not stand the test of time, but I definitely was not bored. It's that thing where each new thing yeah. comes up and you're like, whoa, what? <laughs> and it's, it's really fun to listen to. Can I say that I think that this could be rewritten and really a cool story? I'm sorry to not have that, that recorded now. So when yeah. I turn in my. I like uh, the idea of capturing a, all children. No, on not Christmas that Eve part. Oh, too late. <laughs> capturing souls and releasing them into an inanimate oh, doll I, or a puppet. <laughs> all right, that's called Pinocchio. Yeah, no. I mean this. But I think that's an interesting concept, and I think there's something. I think there's something here that could be done well. I I won't call it a classic. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say the stance test of time. Uh, it is probably. Being generous to say it's historically significant, <laughs> but I had a great time, and to have learned all these things about the original source material now is like it's even worse and better. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm on board for adapting an army of toys slaughtering birds on Christmas Eve and trying to wipe out the children of the town. That's a- of the town or of the world? The world? Of All New, the children. Of New York. Oh, okay. So typical New York. The world. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim, tell them stuff. Hey, please go visit ghoulishdelights.com, home of this podcast. Uh, you'll find other episodes there. You can let us know what you thought of this episode and any of our episodes. You can vote in polls, leave comments. You can send us messages. You know, if you say, uh, please do not adapt that story in any media. Um <laughs> You can also link to our social media pages. You can go to our Threadless store, get some Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society swag, a tote, perhaps, a hoodie. I think we have hoodies. Uh, you can also go to our Patreon page. Yes, go to patreon.com slash themorals and support this podcast. Become a member of the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. Um, 
If you become a member, you get all sorts of perks. We have monthly members-only podcasts. We have a monthly happy hour where we get together with patrons on Zoom, and we talk about, you guessed it, old-time radio. We also do a book club on Zoom where we definitely won't be reading The Wondersmith because <laughs> I spoiled it all. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, but maybe down the road we'll revisit it. Um, yes, and then... In addition to Patreon, if you are like, ah, I don't want to commit to Patreon, I maybe I'll just give you guys 20 bucks out of the blue. Well, you can do that by going to ghoulishdelights.com and hitting the donate button. We are currently uh, trying to raise funds for a new computer and maybe some other technology that we are in need of. So if you could do that, it would be great. And thank you to everybody who already has. You're awesome. As of right now, as of time of this recording, we want to say thank you to Bill, Brian, Anne-Marie, Linda, Shane, Mark, DBA, whoever is the name, true name behind that mysterious nom de plume, Jeffrey, Micah, Ryan, Roberta, Catherine, Carolyn, Loretta, Lori, and if you, uh, we recorded this weeks ago at least, so if you have donated since then and not heard your name, we will get your name uh, and add it to the list on future podcasts to say thank you because we very much appreciate this. I didn't hear Mr. Apple's name. <laughs> Billy McIntosh. <laughs> hey, if you'd like to see us performing live, uh, the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society Theater Company does recreations of classic old-time radio drama and a lot of our own original work live on stage. We've been doing it for about seven years as of this podcast recording. Um, and we perform somewhere every month, sometimes even more than once a month. So uh, you can go to ghoulishdelights.com or mysteriousoldradiolisteningsociety.com and there you will see what we're performing, where we're performing, when and how to get tickets to our live uh, audio theater shows. If you can't make it to them, you can become a Patreon because one of the perks of being a Patreon is we film them and we give that filming of our uh, live uh, shows to our Patreons to watch. So there's another way you can see us. So become a Patreon. What's coming up next? Next is your pick, Eric. What? I didn't pick anything. <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know. How about uh, if we do... Uh, uh, what's it called? <laughs> Double murder? Double murder. That'd be good. From Big Town. Until then... Look out! Huh? Wait, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. What, what show? Big Town! <laughs> <laughs>